This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. Today, we're going to do another Q&A episode. I have my co-host, Chris Knutson, here with me together again, and uh, we will try to answer some of your questions. What's up, Chris? Hey, Anthony. How's it going, man? It's going, man. Trying to help as many engineers as I can, just like you. (laughs) Let's see what we can do. This will be a good one, because we haven't been on the... uh... We haven't been on the same recording, I think, in, uh, gosh, it's been a couple months, a few months, actually. Yeah, it's been a while, so we're going to answer some questions from our listeners. We've gotten quite a few questions, and we'll try to do this at least once a month or every other month when we can. And before we jump into the questions here, I'd like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the FEPE or SE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI the Leader in Engineering Exam Prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code COACH at ppitopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com. And use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. And as far as today's quote goes to bring us into the show, I'm going to use more of a a saying that my engineering manager used to tell me all the time, which was the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You hear it a lot, but I think it's true. And it goes along with the, the idea of questions, Q and a, you need to ask questions. You need to speak up at the right time in your career. You, you can't be afraid to do it, whether it's a question or whether you're a young engineer and you want to offer some advice to someone and you think you can be helpful in a project. The worst thing that can happen is they might say, we're not going to go that route right now. But I think speaking up is always a good thing. So we appreciate you submitting your questions and opening up to the other listeners and just sharing your challenges. I think it's going to help kind of everyone grow in the long term. Now it's time for the main segment of our show, and we're going to jump right into our first question, which is from TJ in Queenstown, South Africa. Africa. Hello, my name is TJ. I'm a structural engineering technician from South Africa with about six years design experience. From listening to your podcast and speaking to other engineers, the general opinion is that you probably won't work for the same company your entire career. And it's a good thing to work for several companies over the course of your career for optimum exposure to different working environments, projects, etc. I've been working for the same company for the last six years, and I couldn't have asked for a better job. It's a small private company. 13 staff, and I'm really learning and growing a lot, and I'm given more and more responsibilities. I'm also doing what I love most, which is designing structures and doing site inspections. From speaking to the directors, there's definitely a very bright future for me at the company. My question is, how do I decide if it's time to move on to another company for the greater good of my career? On the one hand, I'm considering a career move, but at the moment, that is purely based on other people's opinions and the fact that I've got nothing to compare my current working environment to. On the other hand, I don't want to throw away this great opportunity and future I have with my current employer. Could you please give me some advice? 
P.S. I absolutely love the work you guys are doing. I'm a huge fan of the engineering career coach. I listen to your podcast over and over on a daily basis, and it's great value to me. I'm also considering becoming a member in your engineering mastermind. So thanks, TJ, for that last note there. Yeah, we appreciate that. That's huge. Thanks, TJ. I'll start it off and then kick it over to Chris. But basically, first of all, I think you're young. You're six years into your career. And right now your focus needs to be to learn and to soak up things, be a sponge, grow your skill sets, build your contact database, learn the technical side of your job. That's very important when you start your career. And I think you're doing all those and more, it sounds like, with the opportunity that you have. So I really don't see that there's any need for you to relocate. I mean, if you had an offer on the table that was something that you could compare to this one that maybe had some benefits that you didn't have at this place, then maybe you'd have something to mull over. But I know people that have worked for the same company for a very long time, very successfully. So it's not necessarily, it's not that you have to move around. It's that you have to learn right now and you have to build your contacts and you got to have the right mentors, which it sounds like you're getting. So I really don't see a lot of pressure for you to move. That's my take on it, Chris. Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking on this one, it's, you know, that it sounds like TJ, you're in a, you're in a great location, a great position right now at the firm that you're with, because like you're saying, you've got, you've got a lot of different opportunities there that are there for you, a bright future, and you're, you're doing stuff that you love. So the first thing I would say is just enjoy where you're at, be grateful for that. And as Anthony mentioned, just soak up the knowledge that you can from what you're doing right now. That's absolutely awesome. Just, I guess, as you mentioned, you've got all these different opinions that are coming at you. So I'm just going to throw, I guess I'll throw one more at you. And that is, is that I think it's always really easy to see perhaps that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And it's even greener when you don't have a good understanding of what other opportunities might actually look like. You know, so one of the things that, that you could do if you haven't already started going down this route is starting to build a network of peers, trying to find other engineers that are at about the same point in their career that you are and find out what are they doing with the companies that they're working with. Because that then, you, you know, you guys can start exchanging over a, over a beverage of choice. What are they getting paid? What are they kind of, what's the type of work that they're doing? It can give you a better understanding of what other options are out there so that you can compare and contrast. The other piece of it is, is kind of asking yourself the question of what is it that you actually want from your career? Because that can tell you, it can actually help you answer the question of whether or not you're in the right position right now that you're going to have to move someplace to be able to fulfill out the things that you want to do in your career. And if you don't know what the answer to that question is right now, then I'm going to default back to what Anthony already mentioned, which is build the experience you got where you're at right now. Take advantage of that and just soak it up. Again, it sounds like you're in a great position, so don't be hasty to pull the parachute cord and, and, uh, and jump. Enjoy where you're at, but you know, start building some contacts, find out what's going on out there in the in the industry that you're working in so that you can help to answer your own question on that. All right, next one's from Rodrigo from Brazil. He's a recent grad. He was accepted to two different master's programs in mechanical engineering, two different schools, and he's having trouble choosing between them. What advice can you offer? I currently have a civil engineering degree here in Brazil. So he was. it looks like it was two schools in New Jersey. I think, Rodrigo, it comes down to, again, kind of your goals, maybe looking at the reputation of these schools, think about how the schools are going to be on your resume. You can think about 
the alumni, you could ask each school if they could, you could either talk to someone that went through their programs and give them a call and get their thoughts on the school. I mean, I understand that they're going to tell you that their school is probably better, both of them, but just try to do some basic research on it and make the best informed decision that you can. The one thing that I will say is that I went to a Ivy League school for my master's degree, which I think has been helpful for me. It wasn't the best engineering school out there. But at this point in time, the Ivy League school looks really good on my resume as opposed to if it would have been a really good engineering school that wasn't Ivy League, since I don't really do a lot of practicing of engineering anymore. So I can offer that on that one. All right, next one is Brandon from the U.S. engineering student. I have a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and about two and a half years engineering experience. I have now been accepted into a PhD program at my alma mater, and I'm about to complete the first year. However, my funding runs out at the end of this year. What should I do? Should I continue and at least finish an MS degree or should I just accept a job to avoid growing my student debt? Will not finishing a degree reflect negatively on my history? My opinion, my reaction is if you're going for a PhD, you must have a reason for getting it. So if you have a reason for getting it in one more year of like student loans and stuff like that, shouldn't necessarily preclude you from going after it unless you're feeling like, you know, I getting into industry is something that you more want to do now. So I would think about why you originally started the program. That's spot on. I mean, if there's a burning uh, reason that you were going after the PhD, then press on. You need to finish that out. And um, I mean, of course, the major question is, is if you're truly in a position where the financial aspect of it is, is most pressing, then... Uh, you know, then you gotta you gotta cover down on that component, and uh, if that means that you do need to go and, and find that job in industry, then that's the route that you're going to go. So it, again, it kind of comes down to to looking at what was the initial reason that you made the determination that you were going to go after the higher degrees, and if that benefit that comes from that outweighs the cost associated with getting the degree and bringing on more student debt, then that's what you're going to do. The other component, I guess I look at it, you know, is not finishing the degree. Does that reflect negatively on you? It kind of comes down to, again, asking the question or answering the question to someone truthfully. I mean, if it's a financial issue, I don't think there's a lot of people out there that are going to have an issue with with someone who said, hey, I was working on this program and basically the funding ran out, so I needed to go do this. I mean, that, that happens. There's projects that get put on hold or get canceled altogether because the financing runs out. So that's not unusual question then becomes, you know, what's your plan? I mean, if the plan is that you you do want the higher education, well, if it means you got to take a knee, you've got to get in the industry and start doing some work, generate some revenue to in order to build up the finances, well, then you do that with the intention of coming back and, and jumping back into the schoolwork at some other point in time. And, you know, I think, Anthony, you, you know, you brought this up before, Potentially, you could even get into working with a company who's going to financially support you finishing the degree. Right. That's another opportunity that may exist out there. And then you get in a position where you're not only getting paid, but you've got somebody else paying you to paying for your school as well. So just step back, take a look. You know, what was the burning idea you had running through your head to go after the higher degree? If that uh, purpose, that uh, passion that you had to do that outweighs the cost, then then keep pressing. Otherwise, you know, start looking at what the other opportunities that are out there in industry. Yeah. And one other just big picture thought on the PhD, because I've talked to some people in this situation before, some engineering students, is that 
if you get a PhD, because you're asking about if it's going to reflect negatively on you or not, if you have a PhD, then hopefully you have a reason for getting that. Like you want to get into education or whatever the case may be. Because if you don't and you go to a private industry after just doing a PhD program, they're going to be like, well, what do you have a PhD for? And that's going to make them leery of potentially hiring you thinking that you're probably going to want to at some point go teach. I did a talk at a university and a couple of the students ran into this situation because they got their PhD, then they decided they want to get into the industry and it was getting difficult for them to do that for that reason. People kind of felt like they were overqualified or they got this PhD, they must be grooming themselves to go into become a professor. So that's just something to keep in mind with the PhD in general is, you know, maybe try going to industry first and working a little bit and seeing what you think and then going back for a PhD if you think that that's something you might want to do as opposed to just jumping right into it. Next one is, we've got a couple of good ones left here. Richard from Milwaukee. Hello, I'm a water resources engineer, but have been away from the profession for about five years. I've been building a career in a small business in the fitness industry, but I have come to realize that owning a business is not for me. I'm working on selling the business and looking to get back into an engineering job. I did possess a PE, but have let it lapse. Do you have any advice for a 40-year-old engineer re-entering the workforce after a five-year hiatus? Well, I think, Richard, my advice to you would be it's definitely possible. And what I would recommend that you do is you really, of course, have to play up all of the skills that you gained in the last five years in building a small business, sales, becoming an expert in the field, communicating with people, et cetera, that you can then take to an engineering firm and utilize the same skill sets in the technical world. I think the biggest obstacle you might face is maybe trying to get back on track with some of the technical knowledge, but I think you have a lot of those soft skill, seller-doer type skills that engineering companies are really always looking for in engineers. Yeah, that was exactly the, the thoughts that were running through my head as well, Anthony. I mean, you've, you've certainly built up some exceptional skills around the business side of it, and those are going to be the skills that, that I think someone is going to look at you and go, hey, this guy has got some good skills here, especially if you're able to build yourself a business and work it through the entire sales process. What I would recommend is certainly go back and get the PE, reactivate that. You can let it lapse. I mean, I'll even admit that I've been in that position where, where my PE lapsed. And what, depending on the state that you're with, there's going to be a process you're going to have to go through. You're going to have to pay more of a higher premium to get it back into status. You're going to actually have to probably go through the entire process of getting essentially PEs to sponsor you, go through the entire application process again, but you can get it reinstated. So I would really recommend doing that. But then the other aspect of this is that if, I mean, if you're truly looking at wanting to get back into the technical side of it, as Anthony mentioned, that may be a bit of a challenge. And this is certainly coming from a, from a guy who's engineer, but I mean, the technical side for me, I've been, I've been away from that for most of my career in the leadership and management side. So you can be an engineer, you can be a PE, and you can be leading and guiding other engineers. And you can also be working it from a business development standpoint using your engineering expertise in order to be able to help clients and customers solve their problems. So you may not be perhaps the the guy sitting at the design table designing 
the vertical alignment or the structure or whatever it is, but you can certainly use those skills that you have as an engineer and the skills that you've developed as a business and use those to help other people solve their engineering problems. Anthony, it just sounds to me like Richard's got a lot of opportunity there and the ability to be able to use a ton of skills that he's developed. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. A lot of opportunity. And I'm sure, Richard, if you keep at it, you'll find a company that wants to make that investment in you and maybe helping you get your up to speed technically with the PE license and getting some of the other skills underneath you technically, because they're going to want to get access to those other skills that you've built. I think you're in a good spot. I think you can make a good move back and wish you the best of luck with that. All right. I got the last one here and then we'll jump into the take action today segment where I want to share a tool that I've been using quite a bit and Chris and I can dig into that a bit. But first, let's take this one from Edward. I'm struggling to get a promotion out of the technical field labor into a management position. I feel that my network both locally and on LinkedIn is strong and some requests for me specifically on certain projects has resulted from such a network. However, I do not feel that I've been able to turn that want from clients into promotion from clients to have me further succeed towards management. Also, I have come to realize that title is only that, a title. It does not reflect leadership, but only responsibility. Thus, I have made it personal mission for me in 2016 to work towards leading my peers and even supervisors towards increased quality and quantity of services we provide. Any tips on getting promoted from a technical field or design position into a management position would be appreciated. Well, first of all, congratulations. I mean, it sounds like you're doing really well, Edward, and sounds like you've had some realizations that are positive, you know, realizing that a title is a title, which I think is a good thing. It doesn't reflect your leadership, but only responsibilities. And you're focused on quality of service, quality as opposed to quantity. So I think that that's, I definitely commend you for that. I think as far as the transitioning part of it from a a technical design into a management position, I think you need to focus on a lot of the skills that we just were talking about with Richard that he built up and probably in building his business. And you need to try to get out there and talk to people, communicate effectively and do the things that are not easy to do for us as engineers. That's how you're really going to move over. It sounds like you've had success with clients, but you still need to take that next step and continue to push yourself and broaden your horizons kind of wherever you can. Yeah, so I, I read this one, and, and maybe I'm reading reading more into this. But you know, one of the things I guess that hit me was if is this are we talking a promotion within the same within the same company, or are we talking a promotion with just within the industry itself? So, and the reason that I say that is because if it's within the same company, if you've got a title or a label that's been placed on you that can artificially apply almost like a glass ceiling for you to be able to get into the management into the management level. And it's, you know, certainly not the, the best situation, but I can certainly see that happening. If it's within the industry, then I think it's a packaging issue. I think sort of like what you mentioned, Anthony, it's, you know, trying to develop some of those other skills and to be able to articulate and to literally show, hey, here's where these skills came from. But if you've got those skills then it becomes a packaging issue as, as far as what does your resume look like? How are you articulating this to other people, et cetera? So, you know, I kind of view it as you're trying to move from the technical field into a management position. If it's within the same company, yeah, that can be a challenge, especially if there isn't a very, a very transparent method or process and how that happens within the company. Um, if it's within the industry, I really think it's a packaging issue on the skills you've got and, and how you're, 
how you're representing or presenting yourself to others. Because, you know, from my perspective, if, if there's a, a, an individual who's got a very strong technical background, who literally understands at the tactical level how to get things done, and they've also got those skills of leadership and management, communications, all those what we call soft skills, that individual is a win-win because they, they understand the technical aspects, but they also have that ability to be able to operate in a different realm, you know, which is not many people who are in the management leadership positions are able to do that. So something that, I guess, just kind of step back, take a look at what your, what your skill sets are. And uh, again, because I just don't, I don't know from, from the question, if we're talking this, within the same company or across the industry, there's two different problem sets there. So if, Edward, if you happen to listen to this episode and you, you want to hit Anthony and I with kind of a follow-on question or answer, actually be an answer to whether or not we're talking within the same company or the firm, then we can uh, maybe dive into this one a little bit deeper. All right. So those are the questions for today's episode. Thank you for submitting them. But we are going to jump in now to our Take Action Today segment of the show where we try to give you some piece of actionable advice, a tip, a tool, a strategy that you can use right away in your career or life to get results. And we've got some good stuff for you today. So hang on for a minute and we'll come back in a sec with that tip. All right. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show where we always give you some kind of tip or tool to take action, right? If you listen to this podcast for 10, 15, 20 minutes, half hour, how do you take it and really run with it? So today we're going to jump a little bit into an 80 20 tool that I've been using. But before we do that, let me just recognize our sponsor for the episode, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FEP or SE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's material to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their review courses. It's why I feel so confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. All right, so Chris and I are both big fans of Richard Koch, who's written a number of books on the 80-20 rule or principle, also known as the Pareto Principle, which essentially says that 20% of your efforts generate 80% of your results. So if you can figure out what 20% of your efforts generate the 80% of your results and you can focus more on those, then you're going to have more success in whatever you might be doing. But I reread his book just recently. He has one book that's for professional side of things. Then he has living the 80, 20 way, which I just happen to read again. And he has this more with less chart That's on page 25 of the book. If you have the book, we'll link to the book in the show notes and we'll put actually an image of this chart in the show notes as well. But essentially, if you want to visualize, it's very simple. It's a box. And inside the box, you draw a cross. So you're cutting the box into four quadrants. And you can write effort on the left side of the box and you can write reward on the bottom of the box. And then on the y-axis, it goes from the bottom to the top, low to high. Starting from the lower left corner, goes from low to high on the x-axis. So basically. The idea is to identify which of your tasks you want to be low effort, high reward on as many tasks as you can. Any tasks that you have in the high effort, low reward 
box are not good at all. You need to try to move everything down, ideally to low effort, high reward. And so I've been doing this myself, just looking at some of the stuff that we're doing at the engineering career coach, some of the stuff I'm just doing in general, career, personal, and trying to figure out how to get more into that box. And I got to tell you, it's a very simple exercise to do this. It can have enormous results. And I know Chris is a huge fan of Richard Koch too, and the 80-20 rule. So Chris, any thoughts? Yeah, I am, Anthony. The process of looking at the effort that I put into something, what's the reward that I get out of it? I actually think the process of doing that is easy because as engineers, we're pretty qualitative. We're able to look at something and go, okay, how much effort am I putting into this thing? What's the reward that I'm getting out of it? So we can go through and we can look at that. We can do it. I think where the challenge comes from, though, is when you go through and you look at, you have this list of different tasks that you're doing or different goals that you're going after or whatever. Doing that is easy and categorizing them from an effort reward standpoint, that's the easy part. I think where it gets hard and a little bit challenging, and perhaps even impossible for some people, is when you start actually looking at things that are high effort with low reward or low reward with low effort. I mean, so basically things that aren't giving you a whole lot of return on on time invested, but that you are emotionally tied to. Hmm. And that's where it becomes challenging because when you start looking at saying to yourself, well, I need to cut out the stuff that is just not bringing me the results that I want. It's oftentimes things that we're emotionally tied to that that's the most difficult to cut loose because why? Well, because we're emotionally tied to it and it becomes almost like, well, if I get rid of this thing, it's going to cause me a bunch of pain or it's going to cause me all kinds of different issues associated with it. So I think as you look at going through this, and, and I think it's an absolutely vitally important exercise to run through, is to look at, okay, what am I doing? What are the goals that I'm going after? What's my level of effort my, and my re- reward? Okay, we're doing cost-benefit analysis on everything that we're working on. That's easy. And I think it's useful, very useful to do this. But I'm just going to kind of throw out that I think it's the next the challenge then that comes from the elements where you've got a very high cost with a low return or a low cost with basically no return of you just cutting that stuff out of your life. And that's where it becomes a challenge. And Anthony, I mean, even at this point in my life, going through that effort is, it can be hard. It's a challenge to cut that stuff loose. And you almost have to go through like a 12-step program or enter yourself in this accountability group to try to cut that stuff out. But that's where the real power from going through one of these exercises comes from. Right. And and I thought of the chart too, because some of the questions that we got in the episode today, some of you have asked questions that you may want to look at that chart and say, you know, should I go down this path? Should I go down that path? How am I going to get the highest return for my actions? And I think it's always a good way to look at it. And really not a lot of people think in that direction. Yeah. And Anthony, I think it was really, really good that you brought that up because he, like TJ's question that he had about whether or not does he stay with the firm that he's at or goes elsewhere and, and Rodrigo. I mean, it, pretty much everybody who came in had a, had a question that was cost-benefit-based question. Do I do this or do I do that? And we can take his uh, quad chart and, and just kind of look at it and go, okay, where does that fall? What's your effort, level of effort? And what's your reward coming out of it? That's a great tie-in. Definitely. He's a huge Koch fans for sure. <laughs> So that wraps up this one. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll put the 80-20 rule to work for you because it can work very well if you commit to it. 
and we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, or questions. Go to engineeringcareercoach.com. This is episode 116. Leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us page on the website. We're always looking to hear from engineers. We monitor all comments and we try to respond either directly or through one of these episodes. So until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.